my god. Are you looking? Yeah. It's kind of weird. Do you smell anything? Do you? I think I smell something, but it might not be that. I don't know, because my mom's cooking, so. Welcome back, Analysis listeners, and welcome back to the new studio, Miss Brittany Brown! Woo! Yeah. Woo! We are on the air. I just turned the light on. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> welcome in. Welcome back. It's been a it's been a couple months. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. Time flies. It, it's a construct at this point. <laughs> yeah, really. It's true that. And time does fly in, and we were just talking off air about how time melts away on these podcasts. So let's get back into it. I'm really excited about today's conversation. We're going to be talking about comedy, which there's always just a different energy in the podcast. And I I feel different genres and different themes bring out different types of Bob, but I really (laughs) like (laughs) speaking about myself in the third person, but I really like... The energy when you're talking about comedies. How do you feel yeah. right no, now? I 100% agree. I think uh, I, comedy as a genre was my first love. And so I think that I just get really nostalgic also whenever I like watch a comedy or whenever I start to talk about them. I just have, I just have so many thoughts and I have uh, so many uh, comedian idols that I, I love watching yeah. their work and... Uh, what we're talking about today is no exception. It is... Yeah, it is, speaking yes. of nostalgia, that's oh. that's part of the premise. So today, uh, you're going to be with Diaper 911 and Fly Miami Bro. Yes! And we're going to be talking about this Hulu show, Pen15, mm-hmm. which my girlfriend introduced me to. And I, at first glance of this show, I had never heard of it. And season two dropped, and so I just binged the first two pretty much all in, in in a couple weeks, but I had never heard of it, and I'm looking at the title pictures or the, the Hulu pictures of the show, and it's two girls standing awkwardly clinching each <laughs> yeah. other, and one is a bowl cut, and I'm like, I don't know if this, this is for me. if I'm the target demo, Yeah. <laughs> let's just say. And she's like, no, no, I actually really think you should give it a chance, and I'm so, so glad that she did. And we're going to unpack all of this show's greatness, but it has grown into one of my favorite shows, and, and it's known around my apartment lovingly as Maya Ishii Peters. Yeah. Do you ever do that with shows where you rename it just a, a character of the show or something? Is that ever... That was... Yeah, that I That was that something too. like... like um, for example, Curb Enthusiasm to me is just called Larry. I just yeah. call it Larry. Wow. This show is Maya Ishii Peters. When I was really little, uh, it was called... Uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor. Oh, was, instead of hoping for Or, or um, what, uh, what was it? Uh, I just called it Michelle, the Olsen twins. Oh, Full, House. Uh, Full House. I just called it Michelle when I was a little, little kid. So anyway, that's been just a thing for me. I don't know. Do you have any shows like that? I do. Um, also, my best friend and I, we do this thing where we have, whenever we watch a, a new show or a movie, we have to find ourselves in it also. So then, that's my character. Yeah, that's yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. And we always have to find each other. Like there, it's always like the pair of us in everything. Yeah. And this show is uh, no exception. So are you Anna Kona or Maya Ishii Peters? I am Maya Ishii Peters. I 1, love it. That's my. I love Maya Ishii Peters. She's I'm not, so great. No disrespect to Anna Kona. 
But this show was conceived by Maya Erkstein and Anna Conkel, and I've been just listening to them on all sorts of different pod or podcasts or interviews in the past. With just I, I, I'm just fascinated with how they came up with this concept. But originally, they were going to be women that have escaped from a cult, mm-hmm. and they go to a foster family and have to re-enroll in middle school to run away from this cult. But then the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt came out as they were getting some of this concept and they go, you know what? Just being 13 is awkward enough. It's all you need. (laughs) And so that's, that's where they started with this. What do you think about this show? I love it so much. First off, um, I love that, uh, Lonely Island produces it. That just feels so Mm -hmm. right. In a lot of ways, I also just discovered, well, not just discovered, but I finally watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine all the way through. Okay. And so, uh, whenever I started watching Pin 15, I didn't actually know that Lonely Island had produced it. Uh But then, after watching an episode, I was just like, well, of course... Andy Samberg is like tied into this a little bit because it just it makes so much sense. Yeah, he's got such a adolescent humor. Yes, right. And also just now that now that you're thinking of that uh, Lonely Island guys, music and the soundtrack being such a punchline and observation that makes a lot of sense too. So much sense. Um, and I think what I was worried about with this show when I initially watched it was, man, how does it all work with them being the only adults playing children mm-hmm. and it works I mean, it's flawless I because you don't even when or at least when I watch it I don't even think about the fact that they're adults because you they have yourself you it. do mm-hmm. they have the mannerisms down cold and I know that to some extent they are drawing on uh, their themselves whenever mm-hmm. they were that age but I love how they have been able to really seamlessly tell the story of these two best friends because I know that they met in college uh-huh. um, and you would swear and I think a lot of people do that this is actually based on like them being best friends at this age yeah I really and but they were able to take all those experiences and and just plug each other into the other side of that experience when they were in middle school. Yeah. And you're right. Their observations and the observational, the, the, the observations of the setting and the setting being early 2000s teenagehood is, is so great. And that's the charm of this show. And that's why I think it's universal for both sexes is first of all, they do have some some observation about what the guys were going through in the mm-hmm. show. So even I think the show appeals to anybody from the ages of 39 to anyone that's in middle school right now. So 39 to 12, which yeah. casts a pretty big net. But all those little same, like when mm-hmm. you see the Livestrong bracelet yep. or when you <laughs> hear the AIM door swing open oh, and the, the, the rush that you had. Or, or or then, you know, these episodes that get really laser focused on just the experience of 13 in general. And I've talked a lot on this show about that being a really magical time and uh, you never really leave 13. And everyone's favorite SNL cast is from when they were 13. A lot of your favorite music and a lot of the stuff you're like, this is my shit when it comes on at a party Mm -hmm. is from when you were 13 or when you discovered it when you're 13. So it's a really influential time in your life. And and they, they really get into that. And 
what I also like about the show is the episodes are really laser focused. Mm -hmm. So you'll have an episode about a thong and what it was like to get your first thong. But then you'll have an episode just purely on masturbation. And that's the topic today. And it's not, there's not an A plot and a B plot. And it's it's like, this is the masturbation episode. But then you'll get your first kiss episode. And so there's all these fun observations involved with that. But they, they really laser in on those topics. They do. And I think what will only enhance the longevity of the show is the fact that they do that because I think it gives them an opportunity to uh, take a a fewer number of topics and fully explore them so that you're never going to really run out of material to to call upon. Um, Because I think uh, also I... that's kind of one of the things I think that can get in the way of, of nostalgic shows like this. When you try to throw everything but the kitchen sink in it and uh-huh. try to, you know, knock on too many things. And I think that in in doing an episode where it's there is no other plot but the A plot, you're, you're really able to expand on it so that we get the specificity that they are so good at, um, you know, at digging into with these moments. Because I think what I have been really loving about the show as I've gone back and, and rewatched it as well, is that they they get so specific with it. Yeah. And it's just like, and you start thinking, I thought I was really the only weirdo who, yes! you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're like, oh my God. And one thing that I think is commendable about it is it goes there in certain episodes. And, and anyone that's watched the show is like, you've got to watch episode three, the the masturbation. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, for me, for for a white dude who has grown up in the middle class, there's just a lot of conversation about male masturbation in all of, I mean, you've got something about Mary with Mm -hmm. the hanging on his ear, but Mm -hmm. you've also got American Pie and the kids fucking the pie, but you've also got Fast Times at Ridgemont High and, you know, Judd Nelson or, you know, or, so you've got just like, wave after wave, decade after decade of guys talking about masturbation, almost never is it talked about with women, especially young Young women women. and your first experience with masturbation. Yeah. When you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. No idea why. Like, I love the fact that my, she does it all day. Yeah. It's like there's like like 10 scenes of it. Yeah. Yeah, And she can't stop doing it. Right. And it's just, and I, I really appreciate uh, them including an episode like that because it's so true when you discover because you don't you don't even know like everything that your your body is feeling you just know that you just want to keep it yeah. going. Well, you've made a new discovery and you just want to discover, discover, discover. There's so much to try to right. unpack biologically there that you're you're just lack a better term like playing around. Right. And I think even as a guy and you're watching that and you're like, okay, that's, that's interesting. That doesn't necessarily, I'm not pointing at the screen going same girl, but like at (laughs) at the same time, like the girls are making out with their bedposts in that Mm -hmm. scene or they're making out with the mirror. And I'm like, shoot, like you're, you're, you kind of feel like those like, oh my God, I thought I was the only loser or weirdo that was making out with stuffed animals, but no. Right. And I think, um, 
Another thing that I really like in terms of the relationships that they explore in the show, I mean, obviously, they're exploring your first crushes and how intense those can be. But I love that, obviously, the main focus of the, the show um, is the relationship between these two girls uh-huh. um, and also their relationship with other girls. But also, I like them exploring platonic relationships between the girls and the boys, but in that way that it's like, you, you've grown up with them your whole life, so you're kind of friends. Like, they sit together in the lunchroom, but at the same yeah. time, like, they're always making fun of each other. They're always, like, putting each other down, like... And that's why Thirteen's such a great case study, and I think Bo Burnham's movie Eighth Grade did mm. a really nice job with this. This is actually a grade before Eighth Grade, but you're... And that's why being a teacher in middle school, you're always called a survivor, or the teachers that, that teach in yeah. middle school for a while are called survivors, because <laughs> these they're getting they're getting their first experience in terms of sexuality and so it is that that growing out of adolescence but you still have a lot of those traits still within you so your your guy friends are you're not necessarily sexually engaged yet but also got boys are the only focus you're at the party and you're just thinking about what they could be talking about but really they're just talking about making fart noises with their mouth yes right or like um i and i you can uh, speak to the the male experience on this. Also, the thing of a guy, you're not really interested in a guy, and then you find out he's interested in you, and then, like, you make your whole yeah. life about him, even though two seconds ago, you weren't thinking about him. When they started, when all of a sudden, they the dude feels their nips yep. in, the bar, in the party at the end of season one, ah. and then the beginning of season two, they're doing the mash, mm-hmm. and they're like, yep. oh, you're going to get married to him and have a million kids. Oh my God, a million kids, but in a shack? Well, at least I'm married to him. Yeah, and like, what, I've been thinking about it forever, even though, oh have God. you? <laughs> the, when they play mash, I was like, holy shit, they just... I felt that. Yeah, it was that was one of those same moments. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and it really is, it's good because they're the outcasts too. And that, that, just the outcast story is way more interesting than, and, and eighth grade does the outcast thing as well. But yes. did you, because you said Maya Ishii Peters is your girl, what kind of about that experience were you kind of saving or in general? Well, I, I do have to say specifically, um, I felt her so strongly. I think it's episode five in season one, but it's the episode where the group of girls, they have to do the class project and yes. they decide to be the the Spice Girls. Um, and uh, which, and it's an episode all about racism. Race, yeah. And, and so then they make Maya be Scary Spice because she's the only one that kind of looks like her. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, whenever they're doing uh, the the project, they're recording it, they keep making her do really racially insensitive things. Uh-huh. And she just keeps doing them. And then her, her brother has to kind of be like, yo, that shit's not yeah. cool. Like, you realize that's racist. Yeah. And for her, it's like she would rather be in on the joke than, than have to realize that she is the joke. Yeah. And she has this one particular line... Where she's like, well, I'm barely Japanese, which I'm I'm also biracial. I'm mm-hmm. half black, half white. And uh, that was something that uh, none of my friends, and I don't even think necessarily in this particular instance, it's really m- malicious to a certain extent. It's all kind of like how you're you're brought mm-hmm. up uh, to a point. But that was something that like I, I felt a lot. I always had to be Scary Spice when my friends and I would play Spice Girls. And I never really understood 
what was wrong with that mm-hmm. because they were seeing you're just seeing like a physical appearance you're not seeing the, yeah. these different personalities of these girls within a, a group and so she like tries to you know cover that up and she doesn't really you know want to talk about it. and then she doesn't want to eat her mom's food and she she's she's ashamed of just her heritage in general yeah and she like doesn't really want to dive into that and then alternatively in that episode you have anna who's trying to do the right thing and failing yeah. pretty miserably at it and it's uh it's a really i think that that's such a great um episode in, in highlighting uh when you're that young how you try to tackle these issues that you don't realize are issues yeah. um and so in i felt her so severely in in that particular moment specifically but also um how the dynamic of her in her relationship with uh anna i i feel very similarly to how i kind of am with my best friend and also like the the like the wiccan episode like how she's like oh my god i I'm a witch, and then Anna's the, like not playing along, and then she's like, "No, come on, come on, you got to play that, into it." Yeah, that was, and and I think some things you're touching on there. I'm hearing you touch on are really interesting, and and that's when the show goes, the execution of the show goes well beyond the concept because the concepts, you could easily paint this show to a friend. You're trying to get them into the show, and you're saying it's 30 year old women making observations about what it's like to be 13, and there's all these fun observational gags about the time period. But there's also a lot of story here too, and it gets real. And I'm not. I would. I would have tuned out after episode five or six had there not been a compelling story to actually follow. And so you've got the you've got the ebbs and flows of this really sweet and powerful friendship, and they're dealing with boys and stuff like that. But they're also dealing with identity issues mm-hmm. they're dealing with uh, the divorce of Anna's parents mm-hmm. and I really liked that episode a lot about the witches because they're they're watching Are You Afraid of the Dark which yeah. is one of those same come on and so they're kind of in this spooky mood and then the parents are in this really knockdown drag out flight fight and Anna's about to kind of implode mm-hmm. and Maya pulls her into the woods and, and they kind of create this little world for themselves and it's it was so sweet and also just shows when those it, it makes people reflect on when those times were really tough and there were a lot of really tough times when you're 13 that that best friend on the other side and it's so specific but yet so universal yeah and i think that they tell us a lot about their friendship without you don't need to see where the inception of their friendship you know, Great point. began. Yeah. You don't need to see all that to know just how close they are because you can kind of tell in that scene where uh, Maya pulls her into the woods that this is not the first time that they could hear Anna's parents fight. And yeah. as soon as they the heard on the TV, yep, yeah, the volume on the TV, and as soon as they heard something crash or fall, she instinctively took her hand and they and they ran. And in that moment, that told me all I needed to know about how much those two have been there for each other. There's so many nice little moments like that in world building and another example I can think of on the same thread that you're going on is when the new BFF comes in for the superlatives and the mothers oh, all instantly are like this fucking my daughter's behavior is changing and it's this fucking yeah, girl and there's this is the only variable in here yeah and it's just but just those energies and those rhythms and but like what that does to their friendship and and it, it's a nice little two episode arc there but it just kind of the 
all of a sudden this person's coming in and and I'm and it, it's not that they're open they're not open to new friends or anything like that but it's one person's trying to and go for this next step of popularity or this next step mm-hmm. of ex- acceptance and uh, at the sleepover and just really nice little touches like that. I, I, I really enjoy how they accurately, in my opinion, depict the ebbs and flows of having a best friend for as long as you remember because they don't show, you know, everything as a perfect through line of them experiencing things together. In fact, you know, when Anna's going through the divorce with her parents and uh, Maya's going through her own issues, they often... Are, are are not fully um, understanding each other or not yeah. fully on the same wavelength and it causes friction in their relationship that they don't realize it's because they're experiencing different things at different times and you can't go on the same ride as your best friend all the time. Yeah, and you, you see a lot of that where it's like, let's make out with the guys together at the same time. Yeah. But you can't always have that experience at the same time and they even sometimes get upset with each other. Yeah. And Anna's a, gets kind of upset that Maya... A, gets her period before she does, but doesn't share it with her. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that happens a lot. I think in season one, you get Anna with the uh, solo at the yep. at the concert, and Maya just has the two notes. <laughs> and the, the, yeah. the explosion there. The rails. But then season two is Maya's turn, where Maya's in a, with, in a four-hander, yeah. a, mm-hmm. a four-hander, four-hander written by a guy about... Domestic. Who let this get past like anything? This play. I, I can't. Oh I can't wait for us to also dive into the play because that Let's was a do whole it now. We're level. here. Yeah. So easily, some of we're both theater nerds, but yes. some of my favorite shit is is at the end of season two, and Maya gets cast in this domestic drama. Yes. Uh, called the long the nights are long or yeah something something that it's like I would definitely see this off Broadway I'm sure off yeah. off Broadway and it's like you're gonna hit me Joe you're gonna yeah. hit me and yeah, God damn it and it's yeah. like huh yeah and she's got a cigarette and it's like your your fingers are greasy and you're making love to me and it's like all this shit so oh God mm. and, and but Anna ends up just by happenstance because she's sitting in the theater and, and reflecting on her glory of her, 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 her solo in the choir uh, ends up with the techies. Yes. And so she gets in this techie, uh, you're techie strong, mom, which mm-hmm. I know you're not a techie or you're backstage strong, which I know you're not a techie, but it's really strong. And yeah. she finally gets some responsibility and, and, and she, uh, she starts to believe in herself and, and, and takes more independence. But the, tech rehearsal where it's these actors are going to come in they're going to take off their shoes they're going to run around there's nails on the floor they're going to act like idiots is so real one thousand percent the holds go i want your opinion on this i just well i loved it so much first off for the, the uh thing that you touched on which was it was so great to see anna unexpectedly come into her own truly with with becoming a a techie and really rising to the occasion of that. Mm -hmm. Also watching her and Maya's, uh, the issues in their relationship kind of play out during that tech rehearsal where it's like, and 
I have never felt more seen than when Maya was like, I can't feel the heat. I can't, I don't know where the light is. Yeah. I don't know about you. Whenever people are like, find your light, I was like, I can't feel there, it. it. I don't know. It doesn't make my skin warmer. Like I cannot feel it on my skin. But yeah. then when she's, she's, I need you to move slower, but talk faster. <laughs> I can't act. I can't act with you t- shouting tech stuff at me. Yeah, I just, you're, uh, you're not letting me think. I can't. Oh my God. But then when the the oh shit moment from every theater person when Maya goes well you guys are just doing tech stuff and we're creating art mm-hmm. here and I really like that and it, it gets kind of meta at the end when it's showing all the people in these silhouette dance moments yes. and it's these it's them it's creating their art but the techies are are just as artistic as the the people up on stage and it's like fuck yeah well, we look just like poor schlubs up here on stage if it's not for the five million people it takes to make shit run smoothly on stage uh-huh. and i think that uh those uh two episodes at the end of uh the the first half of the season are just uh, kind of a love letter uh, to that because I know that they both come from from theater uh-huh. and so you know that they're just s- sending up some love for the fact that yeah a lot of times techies get shit on and people don't th- think that just because you can't see them means uh-huh. that they're not doing shit but who saves the play it's Anna feeding yeah. Maya the line because she goes up and mm-hmm. you know it's and it's also uh, a beautiful moment in their friendship that no matter kind of the the shit that they're both going through at the end of the day these two you know are always going to be there for each other even if they're in the worst like knockdown drag yeah. out of their relationship they're and gonna be there that is a nice moment because be- right before that they're backstage and maya's just can you tell me break a leg can you and she's like i'm not at the point right now yeah, I where i can i can make this nice and so they mm-hmm. have some get through the moment pleasantries but then yeah that is the olive branch of the the glitter and it's just so well constructed and i don't think you even need to be an actor to be holding your breath in that moment no but it's because really I, fun i think i i don't know if you ever feel this i get uh what i call secondhand embarrassment yeah uh, where yeah where i'm in if i'm in the audience or something and it's like I know a lot of the times, you know, people are like, if if you make a mistake as an actor on stage, people are like, well, they're not going to know. They've never seen that. But there's just like something, there's like an air, like an energy in the air. And you can kind of feel, even though I might not know exactly like what happened, sometimes I can feel when something's gone like slightly off kilter a little bit. Uh-huh. And so I love, I just love really feeding into her like forgetting that line and it's like she's going like oh shit and you can kind of see in the audience like people are like something something isn't quite right here and it's just so true to the moment and also to something you said i really appreciate them showing uh characters at this age being able to say something like i'm not at a point where i can make this nice right now because i think um i tend to be the kind of person who as soon as there's an issue, I'm like, cool, let's work it out. Let's talk it through. Let's do it now. Mm-hmm. And that's not how a lot of uh, how a lot of people are. A lot of times it's like, I need to process. I'm upset. I need to be upset. And so I think that that is so uh, great that they show that in this relationship between these two 13-year-old girls because I feel like at 13, I didn't have that kind of foresight to know my, my friend's not my friend's upset and I need to let her be upset even though it means I have to sit and be uncomfortable because I'm upset and I want to figure it out. Yeah. And so I think it's just uh, also a really cool way to narrate that and show that that's healthy friendship behavior. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think 
it's there's there's so much to 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 go off of what you're saying, and then you get the transition. You come like right back to reality when mm-hmm. it comes to that. <laughs> she goes back to the, uh, the, the pizza party and Gabe. That's a whole other thing to unpack. Is oh. Gabe is figuring himself out sexually. Yeah. She gets her first heartbreak. Anna's dealing with the dad and in and, and talking, and so it's just you, you get your work. Sometimes that that artistic piece is your own little bubble out that that insulates you from this the the chaos that's uncontrolled on the outside world. And I think that's why Anna really likes some of that tech stuff. Is it's very con- she she gets to control. It's she gets control. She gets control over that. It's space. all control, and I think um, I think that last episode is probably the closest we ever get to having. A, a multi-plot line episode because mm-hmm. there are just a, a lot of things happening in in that episode that all find a way to tie into each other. I I love the slow realization that you you've kind of ha- and I feel like the audience went on this journey with Anna where she realizes that she was idolizing her father and he was not the one who was putting her interests at. It was always the mom, the one that she always was getting upset with and the one that she was always yeah. kind of kind of shitting on and it's just like I she was being the quote unquote the, the good parent while the dad didn't go it didn't go to didn't the place show. so he could yeah. get this midlife crisis convertible. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like a like a regular sedan. Like yeah, a like it's not, sedan. But yeah, anyway, it's like yeah, oh. that's that's just so suburbs. Are there any other episodes? I know we, we we love this episode and I knew that was one that we wanted to touch on. Are there I any do. ones that other ones that kind of have your affections? Um, I really, I enjoyed the two, we kind of touched on it, the two episode arc with introducing the new best friend. First off, I just have to say, what a weirdo. Yeah, that, that shit. <laughs> and, and, and I love that because it's just like, no, that's also, that that was also kind of uh, something I went through a middle, where it was just like me and my uh, best friend introducing someone new into the dynamic and, and figuring out if it was yeah. quite the right fit and uh they do that three-way call and she's like don't you how much do you love her she's like not really no 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 i mean i was gonna say she's like, yeah oh, oh god but. it was i i really enjoyed uh that that arc um we also touched on the thong episode because the thong episode is one of my i was dying it was Cause, cause you've got so those good. moments where they they've got all the power yeah. they're every there's the everything changes when you wear the thong you are a whole new woman yes yeah. well and i don't know if you remember this show i grew up with degrassi i was 11 no, i don't know yeah. i was 11 years old when i discovered degrassi it was uh, the show that aubrey graham aka drake Correct. was on yeah and um there is an episode where uh one of the characters on that she wears a thong for the first time and she completely changes her look she goes from being like this really like cutesy like good girl to be like having yeah having like the whale tail of it sticking out of her jeans and all uh-huh. the guys are just like oh my god <laughs> and so i felt that so strongly in in this episode because i was like it was reminding me of how i thought that wearing a thong was just going to completely like 180 change me uh-huh. which is just so hilarious but i also love in that episode it explores a different side to the mean girl all of oh. these popular girls um i think you kind of see that throughout season one as well because they're all recurring is that they're not outwardly mean it's that they have their friend group. They like it in tech. All of their, all of their meanness is kind of more passive aggressive, mm-hmm. which I feel like is more realistic. Yeah, it's more realistic to especially 13, 14 year old girls. I think that a lot of times when we watch, especially high school 
you know, films or TV shows and we're seeing Mean Girls, it's always the girls who are just so outwardly uh, Mm -hmm. rude and cruel that it's like there's a different way to be cruel and it's actually very understated. And it's uh, like kind of how they are during this project where it's like they're all kind of leaving Anna and Maya out for a lot of it because they didn't want to work with them. They just wanted to have their group of girls and they want to have fun. Mm -hmm. And you can tell they all go to each other's houses and Anna and Maya have never been to their houses and they don't know their parents and they don't have inside jokes. And so I think that there were just a lot of layers that they explored in that episode, which again... It's the specificity that, because re- that those were the mean girls that I grew up with. I I, I didn't grow up with the Lindsay Lohan, Rachel. Yeah, McCallums. yeah. It's not Regina George, right? Yeah. It's 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 more like that. And you've got the Ugis stuff that goes on. And but really, they they did the Ugis. That's the first episode is Ugis, and uh, they kind of get realer after that. It, mm-hmm. it, it, they 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 expose kind of. Uh, what you could maybe consider a more cliche plot line with, with the mean kids and the first day of school. But yeah. I, I really like where where it evolves. And, and just, again, there's so many moments just as a guy. Uh, the Ace Ventura impression that Maya does. That is fucking me. Yes. I, I used to do Ace Ventura for... That probably doesn't surprise you, but all righty then. Yep. Mr. Shikadance. Yeah. I thought you were someone else. That was... <laughs> like, that shit was, was, was me or the talking in reverse or yep. the talking with your butt and, and, and your, your one other friend just thinks it's so great and encourages you, but everyone else is like, what? Or... Um, a- another one was all of the guys getting really hyped to watch Wild, Wild things. things. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, mm-hmm. they are in my mind. Because that was like the, that was like, we're going to watch Wild yeah. Things. And this is, gonna, my cousin's bringing it over. Yes. And it's going to, oh my God. And the one kid who is like, we don't talk, we just watch. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, no, yeah, no, that makes complete, especially like. But when, all I want to do is socialize and kiss each other. Yeah. yeah. And it's like. <laughs> I, I I love that you mentioned the, the Ace Ventura thing. I love the kind of the narrative that uh, Maya just loves Jim Carrey so much to, so that she, like the, when she's up in front of the class doing the impressions and she does get some chuckles from her homeroom and it's yeah. just like, oh, that's, I love that because it's, it's that thing of finding this one thing you do really well and it's like, oh, this is what makes, this is what makes these kids like yeah. me. This is what I'm good at. I'm just going to, I'm going to beat it like a dead horse. Like, you it's know what that I mean? A, it's those endorphins in your brains that get get released and you you want more of that. You want more hits of it. And so, yeah, I'm going to Ace Ventura for the rest of the year. Yeah. That's going to be my thing. And I watched Ace Ventura a hundred times and here's all the things I know about it. I, and I also love that you said that you, you did that. I would, well, as we've talked about before, I love Jim Carrey so much. Yeah, and so, you, you will be on the case for soon. Oh, very soon. excited, it's very coming. excited. Um, uh-huh. But that's what I did, like, growing up. I would watch his movies on repeat, and I would adopt his best bits and make them my bits, and, like, yeah, mm-hmm. just try to make uh, your friend... And, and it was really more about... we. You love making everyone laugh, but it was, like, it was even more special when it's Anna laughing. Yeah, She still absolutely. thinks it's funny after hearing the, the fifth or sixth time that you've done this routine. It's yeah. just, it's a, it's a really beautiful moment. And that's, and, and that's enough. Even, even if I do this for 30 people and just Anna laughs, killed it. Yeah. You, yeah. And so then you get the, the high fives and just all those nice little touches. I, I don't want to leave before we talk about the soundtracks to this show oh. and how it's its own thing. When you hear these songs, what happens well, I think, which is what they want to do, it just transports you right back to 
thinking of all of the songs because I'm a, a couple years younger than than they are. So yeah. this so when this is all said, I was probably around nine or ten, and so it just takes me back automatically to the the soundtrack that I would that would line up for me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the songs I I do know because I. I mean, I still was, you know, cognizant at that age to mm-hmm. recognize the music, but I, I'm also just such a sucker for a show that has a kick-ass soundtrack. It's how I felt when I watched Parenthood because the soundtrack yeah. and Scrubs, because the soundtracks were like their own characters, and that's how I think this show treats its soundtrack is like it's its own character and it has its own uh, feel and yeah. energy, and I love it. Soundtracks are, are so great for teleporting you to a time or giving you a a, a sense of theme of the time. And it, whether it's the way they used it in Forrest Gump or, or the way they use it almost here as a punchline where you get Mandy more candy yes. or you get a, a moment where they're feeling awkward and they're covering up themselves and, and you get TLC's Unpretty or you get <sighs> an sync bop or fucking 98 Degrees. Yes. You're like, holy shit, like 98 Degrees was abandoned. <laughs> Those songs are so silly, but at the time were taken so seriously mm-hmm. and these characters are taking them so seriously and it's it, it's that... It's that honest, raw mm-hmm. emotion that they're feeling with this silly song that just makes for comedy. Yeah, and I saw myself. I I had I had a disc man when I was probably about that age, and I could just see myself playing these songs, uh, and like I kept rewinding and listening to the same song just so that I could sit in uh-huh. my feelings. And I feel like. Uh, when you watch the show, there's just so many opportunities where a song will come on and I just instantly go back to, oh my God, I remember either the first time I heard this song or whenever that song happened to line up to a moment in my life where I just wanted to, you wanted to live in that moment over and over, whether it was depressing or whether it was exciting. And I would just listen to it over and over again in my boom box. Or uh, I did have a karaoke machine also. And so I would like put it on and just like, you know, screlt like my (laughs) my chords out, right? (laughs) Cause that's all it was at that age. It was just like, you like candy. I wanted to get you going, so Uh I didn't want to have to sing it. I, I love that. I do also have to say one episode that is an honorable mention for me is also the AIM episode. Yes. Mostly because, well, obviously it was just so real to like the excitement of creating your your screen name and talking to your friends but also in the fact that it's constantly called back to um with the plot line of of sam having been you know the person yeah Yeah. who's been talking to maya and maya's like it's my internet boyfriend which i definitely had an internet boyfriend which upon further analysis (laughs) was more than likely someone who was not my age yeah and um kind of scary yeah it's just like it's like thinking about like back to just like uh the kind of reckless abandon you had whenever you were just so excited to talk to your friends but also to other people on the internet. You're a little scared when they go to the bowling alley to yeah. meet up with Fly Miami Bro. 1,000%. Like, oh my God, you're watching through your fingers and, and they bring that Brennan for, for protection. It's yeah. this <laughs> short yeah. 12-year-old kid. He's the he's the muscle. That That's really funny. I just love the... I love Viper. Yeah. Oh, Diaper 911. It's just... Diaper it, emergency? See, I think it's cool. I just... Oh, I loved it so much. I, I love watching um, the the development of 
Sam and Maya and what that mm-hmm. positive because you could you could already kind of see it like midway through season one that okay we're gonna explore this eventually at some point uh-huh. and also I appreciate that in the show I don't know I I've never really cringed once at that because I know that they use adult body doubles for any of for the, the intimacy and stuff, yeah. issue and you know and all of that so it's like you never I'm, I'm never really cringing and also it's just so easy like I said at the beginning, to think of Anna and Maya as 13-year-old girls because they have the the mannerisms and how they hold their body just so mm-hmm. um, so spot on that it's like, I, I only think, when I'm thinking of Sam and Maya, I'm not thinking of it as anything other than two 13-year-olds. And so mm-hmm. I've been ex- excited to see where that continues to develop because at the end of the day, you know that these two care a lot about each other even if they don't necessarily n- know how to express that to each other. They're not ready for that type of relationship. No, because no. it's, yeah, it's just something that you don't, or at least I did not get. I remember I had my first boyfriend at 10 and it's like, what the fuck yeah, do you yeah. mean? I remember I had mine around the same age too. My dad was like, what does that mean? What do you, well, you hold hands every yeah, now and again. Hold hands. Okay. We, we talk on the phone. Yeah. I, okay. I don't know. Well, great. I, yeah. That's fine. I guess it is what it is. Yeah, but... I, I remember that my boyfriend he bought he went to Niagara Falls he bought me a magnet that had my name spelled wrong Ooh, just because he uh, wanted to buy me something uh, yeah. he was like I know it's spelled wrong but you're my girlfriend yeah, so. so I had to get you something on my trip yeah. so that's what we do <laughs> oh god the AIM episode we're just Anna is trying to chat with a guy who by another great song gag is every time he comes in you hear that it's so good but when she says when he's like who is this and she's like it's Anna Cohn and, and then door, door slams just like oh, oh that was real and like it, or when the door opened how excited you got but yeah. when the door slammed was like oh it's her, and it's more painful because she's not alone when it happened yeah. so it's just like oh and you just kind of have to pretend like oh I'm sure you just like that's something yeah, to do like it wasn't yeah, I'll justify this for myself I do love the that how that keeps coming back where she hears that song and then eventually she doesn't yeah she stopped hearing it's it so yeah smart this show is just so it's smart good. Bob that's I why I said it's oh. it's it's concept but then it, the execution pushes it into into another level and, and they could have just done 2000s gags for, no. for a little while but they, they, they built in some, some real shit which should be commended it's and so it's, genuine it's really entertaining and I obviously just gushed about it for 40 minutes so um, if you haven't should. watched it we've just spoiled all of the best bits <laughs> but I'm sure people that are listening have, have watched the show and uh, so any any final thoughts? I other than I just I just Anna and Maya are just such badass women yeah. and I am just so uh, happy for their success with the show um, I, I'm extremely excited because this is only the first half of season two that's dropped oh really I did yeah. not know that yeah it's only the first half I, I think I, I read an article where they said that they had about 14 or 15 episodes either they were mostly filmed or they're just trying to figure out when they can release the second batch of it but um i just want the show to go on forever it's just so it's so smart like you said it's so well executed and i think that these women are just comic geniuses and i just i want to see like any and everything they ever do um and i can't recommend uh this show enough i've i've gushed about it to all of my friends i have a game night group and half of us are pin 15 nerds and yeah. we like geek out about it every time we see each other and it's great yeah don't be close-minded if you're a, a dude out there there's a, there's a lot of good stuff in there for everybody so uh, you just gushed to your friends your game night friends and now you just gushed to the analysis yes. fans so appreciate having you back looking forward to more of our chats yeah, me too i love i love being on here and i i love our discussions this i know great. this is always so fun time melts yeah. away as we said at the top and <laughs> 
Thank you, and, and we love you, Analysis listeners. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Wash your hands. Stay safe. Watch Pen15, and we will see you guys next time. Yay. Bye! the me